Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Welcome to the Midlife Mail podcast, a podcast designed to help men maximize middle age and live healthier, wealthier, stronger, and happier. I am Greg Scheinman, and I'm inviting you to join the thousands of men who listen each week, receive my Midlife Mail newsletter, and are committed to making this next phase of life our best phase. If you have not yet downloaded my No BS Guide to Maximizing Midlife, where I break down the three principles to maximizing middle age and taking back some of that shit you've given up, head on over to midlifemail.com forward slash no BS guide. Guys are loving these three principles to maximizing middle age, and you can download your copy today at midlifemail.com forward slash no BS guide. Hey guys, Greg Scheinman here. It is another week, another Midlife Mail podcast. This week on the show, Dr. Raza Pasha of the Pasha Snoring and Sinus Center. I want to give a huge thank you to my buddy Cruz Gadge for introducing me to Dr. Pasha. We went over to Revolve Physical Therapy, got in a workout all together, grabbed a little dinner afterwards. I found it very educational, very entertaining. Understand how Dr. Pasha operates how he approaches his practice, his lifestyle, health, wellness, sustainability, longevity, and most importantly, sleep. Sleep is hugely important to me. Don't want to drive Kate crazy with my snoring, but understand restoration, understand rest, recovery, longevity, sustainability, and the importance of sleep. Dr. Pasha is an educator at heart and holds several academic appointments, including clinical assistant professor at UTMB School of Medicine. In addition to teaching and practicing, he's also a prolific author with several published journal articles from various institutions, including the Cleveland Clinic, Ohio State University, Wayne State, and the University of Texas. However, he is best known for his pocket review book, now in its fifth edition, which has become a staple for residents in training. He's a prominent online figure with hundreds of YouTube videos, in addition to countless social media posts. He's an advocate for patients and physicians as well. You want to drum up a conversation? Talk to him about music. He's a walking anthology of the greatest hits, a musician who loves to talk shop. You really want to work him up. Let's get into a little debate on his favorite MMA fighter, or worse yet, this conversation on the future of healthcare. This week's episode of the Midlife Mail podcast, Dr. Raza Pasha. We are going to be talking a lot about sleep, and it's particularly timely for me right now. Um, Sleep has become incredibly important. Studying sleep, recovery, sustainability, longevity. Apparently, I am snoring now, according to my wife, which is not something um, Mm -hmm. I had really done in the past. And wanted to get, you know, 
get this topic out there and talk to, obviously, you know, one of the most renowned experts in this field based right here in Houston. We could talk fitness, we can talk food, we could talk music, all of the things that this, that this unbelievable guy is interested in, but we're going to talk sleep first and foremost right now. So, so Raza, welcome to the show, man. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Greg. That's a, a, a very generous introduction. I appreciate that. Well, the bio, as I was just saying, is is stellar. I mean, the bio is is pages long of accomplishments and interests. But what also really struck a chord and resonated with me um, is it's really human. You know, like your bio, despite all the accolades and the science and the medicine and the books and all the research, you know, what really came across in the bio is the depth of care and human interest and passion that you take in what you're doing. Well, thanks, Greg. I, th- I think how the we conduct ourselves in the culture of our practice is, aside from the science and the medicine behind it, but is to connect with patients. And it's important to be able to communicate and, and, and actually change behavior. And that's sometimes very difficult. And that, that's a, a skill set and a science of itself. Mm. And guys, I got to tell you, I, I feel this way about pretty much everything. I say it over and over again. When you get to know the people, you know, when you get to know the men behind the brands, behind the product, behind the services, it really makes a big difference. And I can tell you, I see this guy working out. I see you working out with your kids, you know, out there and, and just leading by example. And that stuff make, makes a difference. You know, we have choices who we use, who we go to bedside manner, professionalism, value. And people remember how you make them feel. And I want to invest in people. I was talking about this yesterday. And I, I want to know how you guys are living. I want to know how you guys are spending. I want to know what time you're spending with your children. How are you living? Because if you're not living in the manner, in a way that let's say, I want to live or emulate and see, why would I make that investment? You know, why would I, why would I utilize? We can find like-minded people doing amazing things. We don't have to compromise. And I agree with you fully. I, I talk with my colleagues all the time. I mean, we're, we're, we're doctors and we're custodians of health and it's, we're, we're more than just pathologists. And we tend to focus on that medications and, and dealing with disease, but we also need to be on the health side of us and the wellness side of that and understand the pillars of health, including nutrition, as we, we, we talk about endlessly, exercise and movement, which we, is, is something that all physicians should understand. Uh, but we should also understand the other pillars, including sleep and also mental health. And that's something that sometimes is, is, is a tough topic to kind of get into. But certainly sleep is my specialty and and I've got some advantage over that. But I think even as any physician, we should understand the basic tenets of of nutrition and movements and and all these things in in order to actually prevent pathology. And sometimes as physicians, we're just like, well, you know, we have a wellness exam. Well, just call me when you have diabetes or call me when you have hypertension. And that's no good. You know, we just need to be a little bit more advanced and, and more proactive in that. Completely. Um, let's start with the most obvious. Mm-hmm. What is sleep? You know what? That's a million dollar question. That's not an easy answer. I mean, if you talk to physicians, most doctors don't couldn't answer that question. And it's because it's difficult because there's, there's different stages of, of being, you know, unconscious essentially. And we have to kind of differentiate sleep from like being in a coma or just general anesthesia. 
So how a medical doctor would define it is that we actually have EEG, which is these brainwave activities that occur when you insl- when you get into you're becoming unconscious, and you have to meet this electrical, you know, considerations and criteria before you consider it it's sleep. So it's a it's it's like consciousness, you know. It's it's very very difficult to differentiate sleep from other process of unconsciousness. I mean, one thing we know is that well, you know, it's reversible. Coma is not necessarily reversible. And it's self-regulated. So general anesthesia is not self-regulated. So it's, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, very difficult to answer. But, you know, intuitively, we kind of know what that is. And why is it so important? And where, where I want to go with this also is but that, you know, there's this hustle and grind, you know, mentality, you know, out there. Um, we work really hard as men. Mm-hmm. We're getting all, particularly in the lane that, that, that I play in, we've got families and we've got work and we've got fitness and we've got financed amounts. And there's this, this aura of invincibility and being bulletproof and that we have all this time and we need to fill it and hustle and grind. And the, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead kind of, the, you know, I have lunch at my desk. I'll sleep when I'm dead. You know, maybe I die at my desk. I don't know. And it just, you know, I just struggle with that, you know, with, with that kind of, with that kind of mindset and what's become much more prevalent to me is rest, recovery, sleep, productivity, you know, and, and diving into kind of why this is so important, maybe changing the conversation or seeing things through a different lens, you know, as men, as we talk about overall health, again, sustainability and longevity. And, and I put that up there with diet, exercise, and again, you're managing your stress and anxieties. It is a pillar. It is an essential pillar. And we don't understand it. it's weird, right? Because we spend one third of our life sleeping. One third of our life is spent in this unconscious state where we know, quite honestly, compared to everything else, we know very little about. But it's ungodly important to a point where if you don't sleep, you die. We know that. You'll last two or three days. And then after a while, your whole body will shut down and you will literally die. So let's talk about this, Greg. What's, what's the deal with sleep? I mean, what's, what's happening? So, you know, when your brain starts to get into these different levels of unconsciousness, something miraculous happens. I mean, your brain waves start to, to change to a point where you, you, you get into these different stages. And as you get into the deeper, deeper stages of sleep, wonderful things happen. And I, it's, it's a list a mile long. And what I usually say is that you think of the word rest. It starts with R-E. I like that as a, um, as a precursor to think about all the functions of sleep. And basically every function in your body, every cellular, every major process in your body is affected by sleep. And I can list them. It's a mile long. But let's talk about some of the critical ones. So first thing is that when you're sleeping, your, your body starts to rejuvenate. Again, all these words are going to start with RE. Your, your, these genes, these, these epigenetic, epigenetic genes start to activate that weren't activated before. You start building blocks of different types of protein. Your mind starts to restore. You get this, this, this um, relaxation of your mood. 
your even your your memory starts to to it's almost like a defragmenting your your hard drive you've got all these memories that occurred you know throughout the day and then during your sleep you start to kind of you know regulate those different types of memories your hormones get regulated in different ways um, there's a lot of hormones that are sleep dependent everything from growth hormone testosterone uh, hormones that regulate metabolism like ghrelin leptin uh, cortisol which affects your your metabolic rate as well as different types of metabolism and then your whole immune system repairs itself you've got these nk cells these natural killer cells that gets regulated when you sleep these are the cells that that help fight cancer and then your your brain starts to clean itself off literally removing protein that builds up like Cal protein and these amyloids that you see when they accumulate with Alzheimer's disease. So if you can imagine, if you don't get proper sleep, all those functions get dysregulated. All those functions become impaired. So your immune system goes down. Your cancer risk goes up. Your neurodegenerative disease like Alzheimer's, chronic, all these conditions, pretty much anything that you can think of, bad things happen. And it's incredibly consequential. And to not understand that, it bec it's now become more and more known that I'll sleep when I, d I die, like you said. Or I remember in residency, we didn't sleep. I mean, we were 30. I mean, it was hell. It was like, wait, you know, it's a sign of weakness if you took a nap. Now we're looking at it much differently. We're going, listen, guys, I mean, this is not going to work. And as important as it is to exercise, we just need to get our sleep. And we are a sleep deprived nation. We just are. Does this and and how does it change as we get older? You know, obviously, you know, we've seen our twenties, we've seen even you know our thirties, and here we are into our forties, and I'm pushing pushing fifty. You know, how does it change, and how should we be looking at at sleep and recovery, even, and all these these things that you just talked about as we get older? Are there benchmarks, barometers, indicators, things that we should be really cognizant of as we approach sleep and kind of maybe, as you said, balancing like, hey, how much we work, how much we exercise, how much sleep we need to offset the strain, the stress, the anxiety, those yeah. types of things. A, a great question. And, you know, as a teenager, you tend to be sleep deprived. I mean, I mean, to be honest, even as a kid, I mean, waking up at 6 o'clock with these, these poor kids, it's, it's hard. And, and it's particularly difficult because teenagers and kids tend to, they have what's called a delayed circadian rhythm function where they, they, they tend to sleep later and then, you know, wake up later and then they're fine because they try to make up for it during the weekend. So if you can remember not too long ago when you're a teenager, you know, you, you, slept late and then you, you kind of woke up early and then you kind of get through the day the best you can. You caffeinate yourself. And then you, on the weekends, you, you party until it's three o'clock in the morning and then you kind of make up for it by sleeping during the day and the weekend. You can kind of get away with like most things you can get away with when you're a teenager, but it becomes much more expensive as you get into more advanced age. And you'll find that the, the way that you, you sleep, even the timings, the, the circadian rhythms themselves start to change. So let's, let's, let's take two extremes. You know, when you're, when you're dealing with, as a teenager, you tend to have what's a, a delayed um, circadian rhythm, which means that you tend to go to sleep late and you wake up late. 
as you get older, this starts to advance. So what happens, you'll find yourself going to sleep early and you find yourself waking up earlier. The key moment, though, is that at some point, is there's a point where even though you have adequate sleep, and we're going to talk about that, Greg, what does that mean, adequate sleep? There's a point that you may actually require a midday nap. Now, the Hispanic culture had it right when they had these siestas that they put in the middle of their day. Because you'll find, you know, even with adequate sleep, that right after noon, and we kind of know this because we associate this with lunch, you have that slump. And at some point, particularly when you're in the late 50s, maybe 60s, and certainly into the more advanced ages, it is appropriate to have a midday nap, less than an hour, but probably more than a half an hour. It rejuvenates you, it resets you, and you can carry on with the rest of your day. So, again, as you do that, for those of us, like the possibility and probability, like I hear you, mm-hmm. I spent some time even studying abroad, you know, as you talk about siestas and talk about how they live in Italy, how we live here. And now it raises to me even other questions about our ability, even as a culture and society to implement what, even what we know is right, you know, and how we work around it, you know, or what is kind of the the workaround. You know, I was making some notes as you were you were speaking because there's so much great stuff that you touched on. There. I go, okay, well, as a father of two teenage boys, 15 and 18, what do I advise and coach and coach them on? And honestly, I can just, who the fuck knows whether they'll listen? You know, <laughs> you know how we make it make it make it make it actually try to happen. And then even for myself, the practicality of you know, a midday, you know, a midday nap, maybe now, okay, running my own business differently than I ever had before. Can I make that happen? It's far more likely that I could, but I go back to 15 years, okay, in corporate America, you know, working on somebody else's time and somebody else's dime, you know, in a way, and you go, I'm going to go take a, a, a midday nap. You know, and go, that's great. You can take a whole day nap because you're fired. You know, look, we got to be pragmatic on this. Now, let me me tell you one thing. Your body has a set genetic and printed amount of sleep that you require that's unique to you. I'm going to say it again. Whatever your body requires, you can't cheat it. Some people need four or five hours and God bless them. Lucky them. Some people need 11 to 12 hours, which is very difficult. So you're looking at the average of eight, right? We talk about mm-hmm. eight hours, maybe nine hours is your average. And then you've got, so it's a Gaussian curve. So you got some people on the high end, some people on the low end. So the average is eight. How do you know what your number is? Well, this is, it's simple. You go to sleep and you sleep and then you, 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 you sleep until you wake up naturally. When you, when you wake up, you should need two, you need two things. One, you should need an alarm clock. You should wake up naturally and you should feel rejuvenated. If you've accomplished those two things, guess what? That is your ordained, embedded, and printed amount of sleep that you need. Now, the question becomes, well, can you cheat it? The answer is no. We have no way of cheating it in a healthy way. There's no machine. There's no surgery. There's nothing we can do. If you need eight hours of sleep, you need eight hours of sleep. If you need 10 hours of sleep, I'm sorry. Your body doesn't care about your job. It just doesn't. And there's a price to be paid. It is what it is. Okay. 
amazing. First of all, simple, pragmatic, easy to follow. It's just those two things right there. Now it makes, you know, now I jump all over the place. So try to stay because of what this brings up. For example, I've got a, I got a whoop on my wrist, you know, right now there are all these devices and products out there, you know, that are trying to help you with recovery and and monitor your sleep. I've got a whoop on my wrist. I happen to to like it. Want to get your opinion on, you know, products and things that work for, for example. And then the second thing is you mentioned, there's no healthy way to cheat it. So I'm also curious about the unhealthy things that people are doing to try to cheat it and to get ahead. There are other things, and we talked on supplements a little bit even before we hit the button. You know, things like melatonin, things like CBD, you know, THC, other drugs, not just supplements, but drugs as well. All of these things that are out there to help us either sleep better, cheat the system, beat the system if it's possible, stay awake, sleep better, deeper, longer. There's just information and sensory overload to all of it. And you go, am I taking something to wake up? Am I taking something to go to sleep? Okay. Is this thing telling me anything that's worth listening to? Or should I literally just go to bed, like you said, and wake up without an alarm clock? And if I feel refreshed and good, okay, that's better than spending 50 bucks a month. You You got it. So those those, those are, there's a couple openings, openings that you, you left there. One is the importance of initiating sleep and maintaining sleep. That's called insomnia. That's one issue. And the other issue is hypersomnia, which is staying awake. They're actually two different problems. One requires a downer, essentially. The other one requires a stimulant. So let's talk about the first thing you kind of mentioned about insomnia. You said you mentioned yourself that you take melatonin. So first of all, when you're dealing with initiating and maintaining sleep, you know, you have to do the basics, which we call sleep hygiene. Sleep hygiene means is that you set yourself in a, in, in, a, in, a, in a position which has the highest level of success because of your behavior and how you've kind of set up the nature of your room. Your body is, is very cued into these, these um, your environment, and it, you can do a lot with some very simple things. Like, for instance, your bed should be just used for sleeping and intimacy. That's it. You shouldn't be solving the world problems, watching TV, all these things that 90% of us do. You have to make, I, I get it. Yeah. Your phone. I mean, where can I, where, where do I stop? I mean, it's, it's a whole thing, right? So the, the you, your brain has to make that connection that the, the, you know, the bed is, is for sleep. The room needs to be, needs to be quiet, get the dogs out of the room. We have kids. I mean, all these things, these distractions have to, have to go. Um, you can take a hot bath beforehand. You can even exercise maybe a couple hours beforehand because the, your body needs to cool. Okay, it's 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 something that that actually stimulates all these very complex process that that begins to turn your mind off and allow yourself to sleep. So when you have that cooling, it stimulates sleeping. So a hot bath is great because you take the hot bath and then when you when you get out of the bath, you kind of cool off and that signals sleep. Remove some stressors in your in your in your brain and you, you need to land this plane. Okay, you can't go from going 100 million miles per hour. And then go right to bed and expect that your mind will turn off. You have to kind of slow down. You've got to start to unload. You may want to not think this is not the time to go, okay, I want to figure out that problem I had at 12 o'clock that I, you know, during work. And that's not the time to do that because you'll ruminate and you'll get what we all have because a lot of your listeners are motivated, active, successful people. 
which is called psychophysiological insomnia, where you're so busy throughout the day, you have no time to think, no time to meditate, no time to solve your world's problems. And what do you do? You go to bed and then guess what? Now your mind is, is running. And that works for a lot of people because they'll sleep on it. But unfortunately, you get interrupted sleep and you'll get that one o'clock, two o'clock a.m. awakening and you're sitting there looking at the, the ceiling and your, your mind is racing like a gerbil in a, in a wheel. These are all bad habits. And it's, look, it's not easy being human. And it's certainly not easy being driven. And it's not easy the fact that we have a 24-hour day. But these are bad habits and they come expensive. So just by setting yourself up for that success in your mindset, that's important. Mm -hmm. Supplements. Let's do it. Okay, well, <laughs> let's open this door. So you mentioned melatonin. I like it. I like 5-HTP. It's a precursor. It's, it's, it's the precursor of serotonin, which eventually gets the melatonin. I always say if you can go higher up the tree, the better it is. So it's more balanced. So I use 5-HTP. You can get it anywhere. It's very common. And that's, that sets your sarcenian, it's that 5-HTP and melatonin is the sarcenian rhythm cascade that stimulates your body. It's time to sleep. And I love these things because I don't like sedatives, you know, the benzodiazepines, which are a curse. Okay. You should never take benzodiazepines chronically, in my opinion, for pretty much anything, but certainly not for, for sleep. And you should, you should also avoid you know, the Z drugs, you know, like Ambien and Lunesta, they, these are different types of hypnotics because what you're doing is there's a difference between initiating sleep and sedating yourself. It's too different. And it interrupts your, your sleep architecture in a way that's very different. So it's, it's not the same thing. You're just sedating your mind. But, but there are a lot of supplements out there. So let's, we, we talked about 5-HTP. I like to use some of these other neurotransmitter, national neurotransmitters like GABA is one that I, I, I commonly prescribe. It kind of turns off the mind. It gets you into deep sleep. Um, I like apigenin. I'm not sure if I use that. It's, it's a flavonoid. You find this in different types of tea. They, you'll, you'll see it. Um, it's, it, it also works with GABA. It kind of, it's, it's for guys like you and I and, and your audience where you're trying to turn off your mind. Um, the three and eight is another one that I'll, 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 I'll suggest. So I'm not sure if, quickly though, if I just jump in, is GABA a prescription or is GABA? No. Something all okay. these, all these things I'm going to tell you are over the counter. They're, okay. they're, they're, they're and, and again, I go, I would avoid, that's a good point. I would almost avoid all prescription. I rarely prescribe any mm -hmm. the set, the anxiolytics and the hypnotics. I really prescribe them. Thank, um, thank you for the clarification. I just wanted to point that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just a couple more. I mean, three and eight's a good one. You know, you'll you'll it's it's a good one for sleep maintenance. Um, theanine, have you heard of that one? Theanine is another mm -hmm. one that is synergistic. You, you you find this in power drinks, and they use them in power drinks because it counters the jittery effects of of these different types of energy drinks. Um, CBDs, I, I you know I'm learning a little bit about CBD. You know, t you know. Um, TCH, marijuana alone, is like alcohol in the sense that you, you can initiate sleep better, but it's hard for maintenance. And what happens, you get what's called, it, it suppresses your REM sleep, which is important, particularly for your emotional health, believe it or not. We can talk about that. But you get, you don't, it, it ruins your architecture and you get this rebound. But CBD has less rebound than, than TCH. So if you're going to consider, you know, marijuana 
um, TCH I, I, for sleep in particular, I would use the CBD if the reason you're doing it is to initiate and maintain sleep. So there are some things that you can you can do um, uh, in order to kind of deal with guys and gals for that matter that have difficulty with insomnia, which is the initiation and maintenance of sleep. The Midlife Mail podcast would not be possible without the support of some incredible brand partners. I only recommend brands I use, believe in, and trust. And each brand was handpicked by me for a specific reason. I believe in these guys, not just because they're great companies with great people behind them, but because the stuff works. I use these to stay at my peak and I suggest you do too. So go over to midlifemail.com and click on special offers for exclusive Midlife Mail discounts and promotions. You also talked about obviously setting setting the environment of the room, and and as you were going off, you know down down the list, I, I'm mouthing shit, you know, like and I'm scratching my forehead because okay, there's a TV in the room. Last night there was a 15 year old in between my wife and I. There are two dogs, you know, on the ground. There's the glowing blue light from not only the TV screen but the phone, you know, because I don't want to watch what they're watching, you know, <laughs> so I'm browsing on there. And yeah, I put my blue light glasses on as if anything is changing anything. And then you roll over and look at the clock and go, it's now getting close to 11 o'clock and I've got an early morning you know, workout session. So do I or do I not try to you know, take the melatonin pill or the CBD or can I just go off and keep the mind from racing and all of these things that happen um, in there. So going to maybe re-engineer some things, you know, for thank you for making me think of, of all of these things that are, again, some obvious, some not so obvious and, and understanding the why and then actually doing the how, you know, kind of are, are two totally different things. You also mentioned maybe taking like a warm, a warm shower or, or, and then cooling off. I have some questions as it pertains to cold, hot temperature, because I've also gotten into like contrast therapy. I've got the sauna, again, the cold plunge, I alternate. Am I, should you know, should I be cold in order to sleep better or should it be warm, you know, or, or take the shower? Is the warm shower, I guess, better than, than the cold plunge or cold shower before I get into bed? I've heard rooms should be cooler, you know, to get better sleep. Would a sleep mask help me? I'm just rattling off questions because like, hey, these are things that I think about each day about how, again, can I go to sleep, sleep well, wake up feeling rejuvenated and energized without an alarm clock, you know, and effectively, how little to almost nothing should I be taking, you know, outside of, again, just my natural rhythms you know, to sleep well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the confessions of a healthcare provider, I, I don't, I don't, I'll never show you my bedroom. But uh, <laughs> look, you know, these are all suggestions. And, you know, you, it's just like, you know, diet and exercise. I mean, you, you can't do everything, you kind of, you have to find out what works for you and what's what what's, you know, acceptable in, in your particular lifestyle and then you kind of pick and choose maybe you get three or five of those things right you know and then maybe do three mm -hmm. or five and then you add a little supplement to kind of get you through the through the night so you know I, I'm, I'm 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 presenting an ideal scenario but you know we're we're uh, we're human and certainly incredibly flawed and that's the, the 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 interest and spice of life but let's talk about your question about about temperature you know the what it is, it's, it's actually the delta. It's, it's the change in that temperature. It's not the absolute temperature. It's the change of that temperature that stimulates sleep. So if you want to be 
you know, really, you know, specific about it. What happens literally with your body is that, you know, your, your hormones start to cause a physicality in your body that literally changes the temperature in your body. And if you want to emulate that, you can emulate that by any kind of process that shows a, a temperature change of just a few degrees of that, of being in a uh, warm state to a colder state. It doesn't necessarily have to be an ice bath. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that is dramatic, but it's just that subtle change. That's why I mentioned, you know, exercise, you, you know, there, there's, there's some, you don't necessarily want to exercise too close to bedtime. That's not necessarily good too, but let's, let's talk about the other thing you talked about, about, about a warm bath. You know, when you're taking a warm bath, it's not the warm bath that gets you. It's when you get out of the warm bath and you start to cool off, it's that little delta change in temperature that starts to tell your mind that, hey, listen, it's time to go to sleep. And by mm -hmm. the way, the opposite is true when you wake up. Be just before you wake up, you know, your, your body temperature starts to warm up and that stimulates your, 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 your mind to go, okay, it's time to wake up. So you can, it's, it's not probably as critical as the temperature in your room. My, 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 my response would be, well, you know, make it so it's comfortable, period. If you have mm -hmm. a, an absolute temperature, if you're one of those warm body, warm blooded people, then, then set it to something that is a little more cooler for you. You know, if you're a cold blooded person and maybe something warmer, then you got blankets and, you know, you've got these, all these different types of pillows and beds and weighted blankets and some other things that are, that are kind of out there to kind of make you feel good and comfortable. And that's, that's, that's a, that's a decision you make. That's not something that I would necessarily prescribe. Does, I was going to ask you on that. I'm glad you went down that path. Like just the, you know, common, almost superficial top line stuff, you know, the pillows, you know, the pillows matter, you know, there's a mattress store on every corner, the quality of your mattress. Is that necessarily as much for sleep per se, quality of sleep helping there, or is it more about, you know, your back or your alignment, your neck, you know, when we're talking about pill. And again, all those things matter if they keep you up overall. But I, but in terms of, you know, you mentioned how much time we spend in bed or asleep or should asleep over the course of our life. And then, you know, just walk into that mattress store and they go, wow, okay, $10,000 for a mattress or whatever it may be. Okay, it's a great investment. We spend a third of our time, you know, in bed or where it is. How do we, you know, look at these things and go, okay, you know, are they good investments? Are they not mm -hmm, overall? Um, are we kidding ourselves that we surround ourselves in this environment? But again, if you're working from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m., and you're stressed out and you're just getting crappy sleep. It doesn't matter whether you're in the Rolls Royce of beds or not, you know? It, it, yeah. So, boy. So, again, you spend one third of your life in, in your bed. It, it should be a comfortable mattress is, is the most important thing. It doesn't have to be the most expensive. And what's comfortable with you may be uncomfortable for me. Now, what, I, what they're not going to sell me on is this idea that if you have a certain type of mattress for everybody, this is the mattress and this is going to give you the best sleep of your life. That's not even remotely true. Another thing that I see quite a bit is, and this it's a whole other topic, is you know these, these different types of bed that's supposed to help with snoring and particularly the claims that they, they improve your sleep apnea, which is a very generous claim of that. And we can talk about that, Greg. I mean, the snoring is something that probably 70% of your audience has to deal with, some pathological. 
and these different types of beds and, and pillows that are out there are, are utilized to kind of put you in a different position to open up your airway. Sleep apnea, snoring is a condition when you have collapse of your airway. And when you go to sleep, your body relaxes and then you have your, you're susceptible to any type of collapse, particularly in your upper airway, beginning with your nose to the back of your throat, to your tongue base and the deeper parts of your throat. And if it collapses a little bit, you snore. If it collapses a lot, you stop breathing and that's called sleep apnea. And that's no good because if you get poor sleep, then all those things that I talked about in the past about sleep deprivation and all those processes that sleep benefits become compromised and a lot of bad things happen, particularly with high blood pressure, diabetes, stroke, all these, not mention the fact that you're tired and you gain weight and you're in a bad mood and you have to use the restroom in the middle of the night. These are all consequences of sleep apnea. So Greg, I'm switching gears. I hope that's okay. No, to- totally. It is It is okay. Um, what would cause somebody who has not snored before or have trouble s- sleeping to start snoring? Now this is a personal example. As I said earlier at the, at the time, I've never really been a snorer before. Of late, okay, um, apparently I'm starting to snore. I don't know whether that has something to do with having had COVID. I don't know whether it's a respiratory thing. I don't know what necessarily it is. This is a new, this is a new thing. But, you know, you talk to different couples mm-hmm, and we hear, okay, this he snores or she snores and now we're getting separate bedrooms or I don't know what we, you know, all of these situations that are going on um, and it's real and it's common and, and nobody knows that you know, better than you, you know, there, but they're somewhat half joking conversations over dinner or this, but they're very real when they start getting in the way of how you're sleeping and resting and bugging the person next to you, whatever, whatever it is. Well, my, you know, my, my focus and my, my practice is two things. I do sinus analogy. I live in Houston. And then the other thing is snoring. So I have a, my job security is pretty good because let me tell you, everybody eventually snores. Everybody. As you get wise in your days, your soft tissue in your back, your throat, particularly your soft palate begins to elongate gets to drag it doesn't hang up as much as it does and what happens is you start to have a little bit of compromise in your airway so there's not gonna you're not gonna find a 70 year old person that doesn't snore at least somewhat and that's just how things kind of loosen up as you you know you lose the collagen and the back of your throat starts to hang the soft palate these little uvula in the back the little bell all that starts to hang down a little bit and you start to get this vibration, which you and I relate to snoring. Now there's, there's two things we have to, when someone comes in snoring, I first have to kind of figure out, you know, what's, what, what are we doing here? For most patients, it's just, it's a social issue. And by the way, that's no small matter. I mean, that's no small matter to, to have a bed partner that can't sleep next to you. And it can, it causes some significant marital issues. I mean, especially when you're kicking them out of bed, intimacy goes down. And that's something that I take very seriously. Mm-hmm. As serious as the, the consequence of having obstruction in the middle of the night where you're, you're not really snoring, but you're gasping and you're literally choking to death. That's no good either. So those are the two things I have to differentiate real quick. And I, how I do that is, you know, you come in and we basically look at your anatomy and put a scope in your nose. It doesn't hurt and look at the different parts and 
kind of map everything out. And if I see something, I go, listen, this is, these are the areas where you're having your collapse. And then if we can fix it, we fix it. And if we don't, you know, we sometimes can consider different types of devices, a CPAP machine, or we do a dental appliances quite a bit. And there's all these different techniques I do in the office to kind of tighten things up and move things around in order to reduce that, that snoring or that collapse. But it's, it's consequential. I mean, we, we joke around about snoring and it's funny. I mean, cartoons make fun of it. You know, we all make fun of it. However, it's something that, that can be, um, you know, heralding to something much more serious. And it's important, you know, if when you when you look and, and deal with this is if you, you need to couple that snoring comment to because well are you gasping? I mean, do, does your wife or your significant other complains that you stop breathing at night? You know, are they scared? You know, do you have high blood pressure? You know, you have to ask those questions. Why do I have high blood pressure? And I see it too much I see that I ask my patients that all the time. Why do you have high blood pressure? They have no idea. And then I would say because of my practice, I go, listen, you have horrible sleep apnea and, you know, your oxygen level is going down. Your heart has to work twice as hard and the arteries kind of squeeze. And eventually, guess what? You get high blood pressure and then your hormones get dysregulated. And then the next thing you know, you got, you got weight gain. And then the question is, is you get, you know, you, you develop type two diabetes and they're asking, why do you have type two diabetes? And they have no idea. And these, these things are important. So, Sleep apnea is, is something that is, you know, advertised quite a bit. You know, you can't watch TV without people talking, trying to sell you things about sleep apnea and snoring in particular. But it's important to kind of have someone that's competent that doesn't have maybe an alternative, you know, reasoning, not trying to sell you something, but, you know, someone that can kind of kind of delineate that, look at your anatomy, maybe order a sleep test if it's required. And eventually remedy that situation so that you leave a much healthier life and support that pillar of health of, of sleep and how ungodly important that is. Mm-hmm. So to that effect, what should we be paying attention to in terms what's serious, maybe what what's not, when, you know, what are the signs that I should come and see or somebody should come and see somebody, you know, like yourself or follow these you know, maybe steps. Some of them you outlined a little bit beforehand, try these things and before maybe making that appointment, you know, that degree of, okay, this is just because I'm not well rested or because again, I have, I have a cold or allergies, or this is actually a sign of something, you know, at 45 or 50 that you really actually should make an appointment. And as you said, find out why, you know, not only the why, but then let's get into the how we we fix it, you know, for you. Or, you know what, lay off the caffeine, you know, after three o'clock, you know, in the afternoon instead of downing, you know, four more coffees, you know, between three and five to get through the end of your day. And no wonder you can't, you know, get to sleep. I think there's a wide range there, you know, of things that we could self kind of correct or just get some guidance on, or that may be indicative of a pretty significant issue. And, and, you got to go see a professional. Got it. G- great question, Greg. So let's 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 talk about the extremes. I mean, look if you, if you, if you're having difficulty with your sleep, whatever reason, see a sleep specialist. I mean, look, you and I, we we train with trainers. I mean, we we know you know how to move our bodies around. You know, I still consult with a nutritionist whenever I need to. So if you're curious, anytime you have any issues with your health, whether it's 
and particularly with your with sleep, you know, if if you should see you can seek counsel, and that so that that's a kind of low threshold for me. But let's let's get to the heart of your main question: is when is this a big deal? And the answer is a little complicated. But let's talk about the consequences of sleep apnea. Work backwards. If you find that you're tired all the time, I mean, you're waking up in a bad mood, where despite all efforts, you know, you just can't seem to get it together. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that you have your low energy and you, you've done everything else. I mean, sleep, seek counsel. If you have a bed partner that you scare the hell out of every night because they're wondering if you're going to take that breath, do not stop. I mean, don't, you know, go directly to, to a sleep specialist and let's get this resolved. That's a big deal. And I hear that all the time. The, the, and in, in the, the problem is, is that someone has to witness it, right? Because you're asleep. You, you know, for yourself, especially if you're, if you're single and you don't have a bed partner, then you're not going to have any complaints except for the fact that you're tired all the time. Or maybe you're gaining weight despite all efforts. Or you're recently diagnosed with high blood pressure. That's another one that I see quite a bit. You know, these are the, the, the major cues that maybe it's not something that's which is the most common answer. Well, my family had high blood pressure. Well, your family also may have sleep apnea on top of it, which I see quite a bit. So there's a genetic disposition for everything. But if these things kind of pop up, especially when you're in your 30s or 40s, you're like, wait, what's going on here? I'm not supposed to have high blood pressure at 30. That doesn't make sense. I, why am I having so much trouble you know, losing weight? My thyroid levels are okay. I seem to be doing everything right. But you know, I gain weight with a drop of a dime. I mean. These are the type of things that if you're by yourself, you should be cued in. But the main kind of the main driver, especially in, in my clinic for people is, is, is usually it's a complaint with the bed partner. They'll go, oh, or they go on a camping trip with the guys and they go, man, the guys complained and, you know, they were scared that I was dying. And they're right. You are dying slowly. Mm. Serious, serious stuff there and help running the gamut between what you should be paying attention to really um and and what you can handle through through some life changes you know and habits you know that need to be adjusted adapted as you talked about bad habits good habits you know in there and how you develop healthy habits and stick and stick to those testosterone is a big issue with midlife men mm? Right. Low testosterone and the clinics that are on every corner. Should I or should I not? Uh, I'm curious how, because it, it relates to energy. You know, you talked about low energy. Um, you could be getting all, you can be getting ideal sleep in a way, or at least feel like you're getting ideal sleep. Six, seven, eight hours, whatever your, you know, your sleep need is. Let's just say you're meeting it and you're still waking up with low energy and you're going, I'm doing, I'm doing the right things. You know, I'm eating pretty well. You know, I, um, I, my stress is relatively low. I'm training, but I feel, you know, low energy. Um, how does testosterone or low testosterone affect sleep? And also for those guys that may be experimenting or supplementing, you know, with testosterone replacement therapy now, um, how are those things correlated? That's, that's a great question. So I'm, I'm going to spin this a little bit differently because you, you touched on two things. When you have sleep apnea in particular, <clears throat> you can sleep 12 hours. You can sleep 14 hours. The problem is, is you're not getting what's called delta, also known as deep sleep. Not all sleep is the same. If you want to know what delta sleep is, I'll make it very easy because we can all relate to this. You know how 
in the middle of the day, you're like exhausted and you take like a 20 minute nap and you felt like you slept for like a year. It feels great. That's because you're so exhausted, you go right into deep delta sleep. That's that sweet dessert sleep that you get that's so scrumptious that you tend to get when you're really, really really tired. That's the sleep that you want to get all the time. That quality sleep is where a lot of things happen. We talk about all those reparative functions of the body. When we talk about how hormones are regulated, if you have sleep, light sleep, it doesn't count. It dysregulates. So when you have sleep apnea, what happens is you, you, you start to fall asleep and then you gasp, right? You go like that. And when you, what's happening is you're not waking up, but your body's going from deep sleep to light sleep. Well, guess what happens? You, all those functions start to be compromised. And you mentioned one very important function, which is hormones. And one of the many hormones that are sleep modulated, okay, which means that they depend on the you actually reaching these deep delta waves of sleep in order to modulate and to perform properly, rather. If you compromise it, you will have a decrease in functionality of these different types of hormones or the amount of those hormones. And one which is famous is testosterone. And you will lose your testosterone if you have significant sleep apnea or subsequently if you're sleep deprived. But there's more than testosterone. I mean, almost any kind of growth hormone, even your thyroid levels can be affected. Um, I mentioned ghrelin and leptin, which are very important for, um, what do you call it, for uh, metabolism and weight gain. And that's one reason why sleep apnea patients, they're in a vicious cycle, they're, they'll gain weight. Uh, and they're very frustrated. And they're, these are, you know, you know, competent men and women that are, doing everything right. And because their sleep is messed up and they're, 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 they just can't get their <laughs> hormones right, they can't lose weight. Same with testosterone. I've had patients that are on testosterone replacement therapy and I'm like, let's just get a CPAP on you and see what that does. And, you know, the problem with hormone replacement therapy is once you're on it, you know, it suppresses the, the, the testosterone and it's hard to get natural testosterone to be kind of kick back in. But, you know, these are, you know, it's, it's not that testosterone affects your sleep as much as your sleep affects your testosterone. That's, that's the long and short of it. Mm. Un understood. This has been fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, like, when, when I think about conversations with with physicians or green you know super educated experienced you know documented published guys you know on the show you know okay can we put this in a level that greg you can actually understand and have a conversation with them and can you apply any of this you know to your to your own life i get a little scared i'll be honest with you with with this with this kind of stuff because i want to make sure that we cover it you know in the right way um and then we're able to articulate it myself mainly. I know you can, you know, to so that it's understandable, it's digestible to the guys out there, and also address the importance of of these issues. And it's so prevalent. I don't think you can go a day anymore without hearing about rest, recovery, sustainability, longevity, and then the other spectrum of hustle, grind, sleep when I'm dead. Like these, it's the it's constantly out there on all 
sides of this. So whether you're watching it on TV, whether you're reading books or articles about it, whether you're scrolling through social media and it's literally opposite approach, opposite approach, opposite approach, you know, constant conflict in there. It's really great to kind of get to the heart of these issues with both the science, you know, and the practical reality of us all being human and we cannot necessarily always create these perfect environments and totally practice what we preach and what level of acceptability, you know, is in there. When is it really serious? When can I correct it myself? Can I get three out of the five? You know, how to find that, you know, kind of find that area where we can function as optimally, optimally as, as we would like, you know, there. So I really appreciate this. Um, it's, it's fascinating you know, to me. Um, I definitely would like to take my siesta at this point uh, on Friday afternoon. <laughs> and I would like to try to adopt that. And I think now, yes, now I have a, a medical, you know, now I have a medical prescription to take my fia- my siesta, you know, there. So That's right. That's right. Kate asks me to pick anybody up, you know, at 2.30 in the afternoon. I'm going to say, no, I was just told by my doctor that I should be napping right now. So I'm going to do that. Raza, how do people find you? Okay. Um, whether or not they're, they're, they're local or they can come and see you, but the materials that are out there, you know, how do they find you? How do they interact with you? You put so much great stuff out there. Um, let us know. Yeah. Well, uh, you certainly can just on YouTube, if you just put my name, um, you know, I have, I don't know, 304 hours of, of YouTube videos out there that cover all ranges of topic. Um, I have a website that I, every word of it is, is mine. It's, uh, I don't know how many pages. It's, it's just a huge wealth of information at PashaMD.com. It's easy to remember. And on that, um, it's also BreatheFreely.com. Either one is the same URL for the same website. Um, we do, there's, there's a, a lot of videos that are embedded in the, in the website, a lot of videos that go to YouTube. But you can spend hours and hours. You know, I, I, I love putting information out there. I think it's, as physicians, important not only to treat patients' pathologies, but to be educators and all that information. You don't have to be a patient of mine. There's no code. It's just out there for the taking. And, um, yeah, by all means, peruse those sites. And, and uh, if you have any comments, you can. there's contact information. And you can, if you have questions, concerns, um, you know, I'm learning from everybody. We're all students. And, um um, and I invite any kind of communication from out there. And if you want to make an appointment, we'd be glad to see you. Well, thank you so much, guys. I'm going to link to everything Dr. Pasha just said right there so that you can get it. We'll have the show notes done and published as well. Um, and really super, super generous with the amount of content and expertise and experience that, that you put out there, which is really great, guys. I strongly encourage you take advantage of it because you're getting this from from one of the top guys in his field out there and again just like we shared on the show it's practical it is informative it is necessary and we should be paying attention to these things as midlife males so dr raza pasha thank you so much for joining me today on the midlife male podcast hang with me for one second guys if you like what you have heard on the show please give us that five-star rating. Leave us a positive review. Keep the midlife mail growing. And also, spread and share the word on everything that Dr. Razapaja is up to as well. Thank you so much. Until next week, 
If you're interested in coaching and taking this conversation deeper so that you can achieve your personal and professional goals, be sure to head over to midlifemail.com and check out the Work With Me page to explore options.